0: What if I told you that exercise could be just as effective at lowering your blood pressure than medicine can be? Does that seem a little far-fetched? Well, in today's podcast, we're gonna talk all about how effective exercise really can be for lowering your blood pressure. Let's get started. Welcome back, everybody, to the Building Lifelong Athlete Podcast. Thanks so much for stopping by. I'm Jordan Renke. I'm a board-certified physician in family medicine and sports medicine, and the goal of this podcast is to help keep you active and healthy for life through actionable evidence-informed education. Thank you so much for stopping by. Really appreciate it. Today, we're going to talk all about blood pressure, specifically with exercise and how it relates and all that. And first question we want to ask here is, why do we care, Jordan? Like, why are you spending time? Why should I spend my precious time here in the car or the gym or whatever listening to this? Well, it's because blood pressure is super, super important. It's actually one of our necessary nine. If you go back to the season one, I talked through my necessary nine, like the nine most important things for just lifelong health and being a lifelong athlete. And this is like probably one of the biggest rocks we can actually have in terms of like things that actually matter. I always talk about focus on the big things, right? The big rocks, like blood pressure. This is one of them if someone says that like blood pressure doesn't matter like i'll fight them it's really so important and this is like so undeniable like everyone says like yeah blood pressure is really important now like there's obviously nuance and debates on like what is the blood pressure is it 140 is it 120 like that like i I understand there's definitely gray areas there and i'm not opposed to that and talking about it but if someone says like don't worry about blood pressure like they just they don't know anything don't listen to them so this is really 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 important though it's probably like i said one of the biggest things honestly a leading cause of premature morbidity and mortality globally like it happens all the time. And when you have elevated blood pressure, it can be called hypertension. Now, obviously that's a formal diagnosis. Hypertension means you've been formally diagnosed and you have, you know, a couple of readings of this elevated blood pressure. i will talk more about that other podcast about what how we define that. But like I said, when we have this elevated blood pressure, it's directly related to increased risk of things like heart attacks, stroke, and kidney problems. So super important. And it's very important how, you know, we can figure out how to manage this. Like I said, this is a common, common complaint as well. So I'd say, not only is it really important, but I see it all the time. Like literally Every single day, I see someone with elevated blood pressure. Whether it's just like a reading transiently because they're you know white coat of hypertension, they're saying ah I don't want to be at the doctor, or they have like legit just hypertension. I see this every single day, and so it's really important to get on top of this. And the one thing I don't mean to scare you because this is not a, like hey if you have a one time high blood pressure reading that's elevated like it's not going to kill you. Like, I'm not worried about that. It's more of a cumulative type thing. So over time, one reading not the big deal, but if you have hypertension over years and years, then we start to worry about having problems long term. So that is like, what we're going here and. The reason I also talk about this is because just changing a little bit may lead to big results. Meaning if you drop your blood pressure as little as five millimeters of mercury, it can reduce your risk for stroke by like 14% and heart attack by 9%. So those are pretty good odds there. If you just move down by a little bit. And just a step back, how we measure, measure blood pressure is through these millimeters of mercury. So on the top, we have the systolic number. So like 120 millimeters of mercury over 80, which is the diastolic. And there's once again millimeters of mercury. So 120 over 80 is like the general number people say. So if you just drop five in that top number going from, you know know. if you're at 130 down to 125 that may help increase like your chance of being protected by um, you know that effect meaning decrease the stroke by 14 percent and heart attack by nine percent obviously those numbers aren't hard and fast but just kind of general ballpark meaning hey if you just do a little bit of improvement of that blood pressure you're gonna have a bigger reward down the line and next thing i want to talk about here is what happens to your blood pressure when we exercise so like what physiologically happens so when we are doing aerobic exercise, some sort of cardio running, our systolic blood pressure goes up pretty substantially, but our diastolic actually stays kind of about the same. It's actually really cool to watch this when you're doing like treadmill stress tests. So, you know, if your doctor was sent you for that, you can watch them do it. And the blood pressure starts to creep up, just goes up and up, but diastolic kind of stays about the same. Maybe it goes up a little bit, but it doesn't shoot up just like aerobic does. Um, if you do have hypertension though, you may have an exaggerated response. So that's why sometimes, you know, if you have high blood pressure in you exercise, it may go through the roof. Um, that's something to discuss with your doctor maybe, but that can happen. and then. Also, what can happen with blood pressure is after you stop, your blood pressure may drop below like your normal resting blood pressure. That's called post-exercise hypotension. That can be normal for up to a few hours after exercise. Now, if you're doing resistance training, you're gonna see a marked increase in both the systolic and diastolic pressures. A lot of times, like I said, you are, especially if you're valsalving, some of the recorded ones are like insane. They're like 300 over 150 or 200. It's like, they've been insane, That's like when people are like valsalving, closing out, it's kind of like bearing down and then just like pretty much just tensing up everything in their body. So that's transient, right? It doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, one second of that blood pressure is going to kill you. But like I said, when you do exercise, we will expect to see blood pressure go up, at least for sure the systolic and then plus or minus the diastolic depending on your exercise. But so it's weird. You're like, okay, well, Jordan, you're telling me I don't want to increase my blood pressure, but when I exercise, I do. Yes, it's paradoxical, but long-term benefit, it's going to be good for you. Trust me, hang along here. It's going to be fine. But the next thing I want to talk about here is how does exercise compare to medications, right? That's like the number one question is obviously... You go to the doctor, you have high blood pressure, the first response is, hey, let's start a medication most of the time. And hopefully, hopefully they're counseling you saying, hey, what are the lifestyle changes that we can try? What, what are, what are how can we change our diet? How can we lose weight? How can we do all these things? That should be hopefully the first thing. But like I said, a lot of times, it's really easy to prescribe medication and they work really darn well. So that is the first thing. But when we're looking at how to access impaired medications, it's kind of tricky because the vast majority of the research is on medications and literature. So like something like 90% of the studies, and I was looking at one of the studies that kind of aggregated them. I said 90% of the studies that looked at talked about medication, only 10% looked at exercise. So that's kind of where our, pers- our priorities are as a society there. But like I said, I'm not just here to rag on people because it's just very easy to control that, right? It's very hard to control and get someone to do exercise that's a challenging thing where you say hey you take this pill you take this pill you take the sugar pill like that's way easier to do so i understand that and i get that from a controlling and research perspective i'm not faulting anybody but just goes to show we do not have that much data on exercise or blood pressure but in general how well do antihypertensive medications work so high blood pressure medications how well do they work on average they drop your blood pressure about 8.8 millimeters mercury from the systolic perspective but overall the range is like 8 to like 15 is kind of what i've seen looking at the literature Um, however there was one network meta-analysis that indicated that there was not sufficient evidence to suggest that first-line pharmacotherapy interventions significantly reduced blood pressure to a greater extent than did exercise interventions so they're pretty much saying like seem pretty similar exercise versus first-line therapy and when we talk about first-line therapy medications there's a couple of main categories we talk about medications things called ace inhibitors angiotensin receptor blockers or arb's calcium channel blockers and thigh diuretics you'd probably recognize some of the name of the medications if you're on any of those like i said i can go through those in a different podcast but those are like our main categories And additionally, I was looking at more data and another meta-analysis that I saw indicated that although antihypertensives by themselves seem to have a higher decrease than individual exercise when combined, meaning you do aerobic and resistance, they're very similar results. And so overall it seems like hey we actually can get close to antihypertensive levels with exercise that's pretty cool and so now i want to dive into how much change will we actually see with exercise right so i kind of talked about might be similar but let's dive a little bit deeper into the numbers and first we have to consider a couple different things in terms of is the patient hypertensive i mean do they have high blood pressure or the normal blood pressures because that matters and also we want to look at what type of exercise so if the patient is hypertensive, has a history of hypertension, elevated blood pressure, then we will expect to see a greater decrease compared to those people who have normal blood pressure, which kind of makes sense, right? If you're at high blood pressure and it's at 140, then you just got more room to decrease it down. And so a training of exercise or medication may have a bigger impact on you as opposed to when you have normal, like your physiology wants to keep you at this spot, right? And if you're there normal physiologically with no medication doing anything, like your body's not just gonna be like, okay, I'll just keep dropping it. No, there's it kind of has mechanisms to keep it similar. So that makes sense. If you have high blood pressure, there's more that you drop specifically with that and then also type of exercise also matters the big ones they talk about in literature are like aerobic training so think of a traditional cardio resistance training isometric training they talk about combined training and then high intensity interval training but like Pretty much all types of exercises but the vast majority of these things are like aerobic classic cardio resistance is like weightlifting. then isometric means static hold of some sort so think about like doing wall sits or planks or something like that those are isometric and overall when we're looking at the data in general we see about a four to eight millimeter drop in blood pressure for systolic for patients who have hypertension and then about a two to four millimeter mercury drop in those who are normal sensitive so not huge and that's just looking individually right so that's like hey looking at a single like resistance or aerobic and just kind of looking like I said, isolated there. And you will see, like I said, very different things in different articles. And that's the biggest thing. They kind of look at these overarching meta-analyses and they kind of aggregate them together, but you'll see tons of changes in systolic or diastolic and bigger changes here and there and all those things based on the specific article you read. And so everyone's mileage is going to vary. And so let's break down into individual components here. Let's start with aerobic exercise. So aerobic, some RCTs or randomized controlled trials show that you can have a drop as much about either 10 points systolic or four diastolic with exercise alone. And in these data, most of this is on like running or cycling, so kind of steady state cardio for about 40 minutes a few times a week, like three to five times a week. But then also we did see some improvements from cardio for people just walking 30 minutes a day. So really once again, wide ranging. But it does, like I said, they also looked at HIT or high-intensity interval training versus a regular aerobic, and it looked like regular aerobic appears to be a little better, but HIT still did improve blood pressure, so that can happen as well. Then if you look at isometric training, this one's super interesting, like kind of hot topic, you'll see it around there, but they showed, they showed a general decrease of about 9.8 millimeters of mercury for systolic and 1.8 for diastolic, so almost 10 in a randomized controlled trial. And what they were doing there is either some sort of hand grip, so they're just gripping isometrically, hand grip, or a wall sit. And... Most of the studies I looked at used kind of the volume, the way they dosed it out was a 30% of maximal voluntary contraction. So 30% of what your like peak peak one would be. And they did four sets at two minutes performed three times a week. So really not that bad. I mean, four sets, two minutes, that's eight minutes right there, three times a week. And that's pretty impressive to drop about 10 millimeters of mercury systolic. So that's really interesting. From a resistance training perspective, they saw about uh, seven million mercury drop in the systolic. And then when they combined things, so you did resistance training and cardio, it was up to about 13 millimeters of mercury. And so that's pretty impressive. And you look at the numbers, like I said, isolated by itself, you see isometric, and you're like, what that? What? what the heck, where's that coming from? Almost 10. And there's no real good answer that we'll talk about in a little bit. But overall, like the big thing is mixed was huge, right? That's starting in double digits, 13, like that is starting to get into like, for sure, anti-hypertensive land. So that's really cool. and just touching base again on the isometric, is it really that much better, right? Cause I've seen a bunch of videos on YouTube, like the best exercise for blood pressure. And they talk about isometric exercise, which like based on the data, like I get why they're saying that, but it's kind of like a conundrum, right? Like. My guess here, and this is me kind of split we have very limited isometric studies. So we're not gonna have, like, we already have a paucity of studies for exercise in general for blood pressure, right? And then even a smaller subset of that is like, hey, let's look at just isometric. So we have a very, very small sample size. So that may skew the results a little bit. If someone had good results there, that may skew things. And I can't think of a definitive mechanism for why it'd be better. Maybe like you're just... Um, you know contracting really hard and restricting blood flow and then when you you know relax you get increased vasodilation. of dilation so you're working on you know the elasticity of the blood vessels i'm not, I'm not even sure i don't know what it is but it did seem to have some improvement but i don't think there's a mechanism like, in and of itself that isometric is like way 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 better than resistance training or cardiovascular training and so that's just kind of my take here and when i see that we just talk about like, is there an optimal dose of exercise though right we talked about sets of four sets of two minutes for that is there overall like what's the recommendations and like most things with exercise, more is probably better. Specifically, when we look at aerobic, it seemed that people who did more aerobic training tend to have better increases or better improvement in their blood pressure. And resistance training kind of show like a plateau. So like really it kind of, there's more data on endurance than any resistance training, but it seems like, hey, you can go up there and just do more and more and you're probably going to get more benefit from that. It's pretty standard. You know, There's that U-shape we talk about with exercise where like if you do a little, you get a huge benefit and then you get more until eventually you get a point where you're like, okay, maybe we're doing too much. And that may be the case, you know, it might be resistance training, like be kind of your limiting factor there, meaning, hey, you can do that a couple times a week and you probably get most of the benefit, whereas aerobic, you can continue to just keep going and going and going. And overall here, like, what are the practical takeaways? Uh, I think overall physical activity, is a viable option to help manage your blood pressure and should be a part of your lifestyle factors. Like I said, it's not gonna make you drop like 40 points magically, right? You're not gonna be like, oh, like I was 170 and now I'm down to like 120. Like that's not gonna happen with exercise alone unless we have additional things, but it is reasonable to expect a five to 10 point reduction in systolic and maybe about, a, you know, anywhere from two to five in diastolic. And that's just like with one exercise. If you do combine, it might increase even more. And the problem is like, there's so much heterogeneity in the studies, meaning there's lots of stuff. So overall, my recommendation is like, follow the physical activity guidelines like when appropriate like and then maybe with some potential modification so we talked about physical activity guidelines all the time i think those are good things to shoot for like it's really when we start to see like the best bang for our buck and getting the most benefits from physical activity obviously like i said more is gonna be better and that's fine no one's gonna be like i'm never gonna be like dude you need to stop working out i'm only in rare rare circumstances but for the physical activity guidelines, talk about 150 minutes of moderate or 75 of vigorous aerobic activity with two times resistance training and that seems to fit pretty well with this in terms of hey you know, we talked about the data they showed of people doing 40 minutes a couple times a week. That's probably gonna get you into that 150 minutes close to there. And then they talk about resistance training, how it's kind of a, you know, plateau after a couple times a week in terms of the blood pressure change. So really like the physical activity guidelines are kind of summarizing things and saying, hey, like this is where you get the best bang for your buck. And- I thought it was kind of cool. And based off of that, they talk about resistance and, you know, aerobic training. I think also doing the data, I can't ignore it. I think it's reasonable to mix in some isometric exercises, things like farmer carries, which is essentially those grip strength things they are looking at, wall squats, planks, and adding that as part of your resistance training seems to be a good idea. I think it might help decrease your blood pressure. But like I said, overall, I'm not too concerned that you're like, hey, I'm only going to do this ice exercise. If you're saying, Hey, all, that's all I want to do, Jordan. I want to do eight minutes of, well, then I'm not going to be mad at you doing that. I want you to do that. But if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably doing more than that. And so that being said, though, if you're very concerned about blood pressure, I think adding that into your overall training is good. And, and the things I don't want you to just think like, okay, I need to optimize my routine to get this one biomarker, right? My, my blood pressure, because one, we know that combined training, you know, they talk about just Isolated isometric was, you know, anywhere around 10. Combined was like 13 to 15. So combine, like if you had to pick one, like I'd go do combined training. Go do combined training. You can add an isometric if you want. Like I said, we might have some additive effects on that, but I want you to do a full training. I want you to really do a general, you know, well-rounded exercise routine because there's just so many other health benefits, right? Like if we're looking just at blood pressure and be very myopic about it, like maybe isometric might give you some benefit, but like step back, like we know aerobic is so good for so many things. We know resistance training is so good for so many things. So I I don't want you to ignore that. Don't miss the forest of the trees and just be like, oh, that's the focus. No, no, we can add that as a component, but overall exercising is very good and it can be as good as medication that's the coolest thing is hey antihypertensives can do about the same thing and and this is not to say stop your medication right away like never stop your medication when I'm talking to your doctor obviously that goes without saying but this is a very viable option if you're like hey i don't work out and i may be pre-hypertensive i'm getting close or i have high blood pressure then like starting the exercise might be all you need to get back down to that normal range and that's really encouraging so i want to just give you the you know the encouragement that this is beneficial can be very, very helpful and that actually can be just as strong as medicine. That's like the whole point of this whole entire podcast, like season is to say, hey, we can use exercise as medication, which is really And so that's enough of me ranting though. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. If you liked it, I would really appreciate it if you shared this with someone who may find this interesting. And like I said, if you want to get more detail, please sign up for my mailing list so I can, you know, send out some emails you'll never miss any content. I'm not gonna spam. I promise you I hate spam. So but this does conclude the episode. Now get off your phone, get outside, have a great rest of your day. We'll see you next time. Thanks for Disclaimer, this podcast is for entertainment, education, and informational purposes only. The topics discussed should not solely be used to diagnose, treat, or prevent any condition. The information presented here was created with an evidence-based approach, but please keep in mind that the science is always changing, and at the time of listening to this, there may be some new data that makes this information incomplete or inaccurate. Always seek the advice of your personal physician or qualified healthcare provider for questions regarding any medical condition.